I can't hear. Oh, I can hear me. Hello. Here I am. All right. Bear with. I like a prop. Don't let me trip over it in the next few minutes. All right, good morning, everybody. As uh, it's lovely to see all your smiling faces. Uh, so, week two of four weeks talking about prayer and trying to pray intentionally and more. And our prayer is really that this is just starting a trend of being a more prayerful church, being people who know how to press in and. Um, and see God move on our behalf. I mean, that worship, I could have almost just stayed there and we could have just carried on. How glorious. Hallowed be his name. He's just incredible. It's really, you know, we're here because of him. So, my part today is to talk about being watchful in prayer. Uh, we're basing this mini-series on Colossians 4, verses 2 to 3. Now, I haven't sent anything over, no impressive PowerPoints. Um, anything, Vicky, you want to put up, great. Go with the flow. But really, if you've got your Bible or your phone, you can look, be looking at Colossians chapters 1 and 2 a bit later on. But when I get to it, that's where we're going. So, uh, the verses we're looking at officially are, continue steadfastly. That's not the word David used, but it means the same, doesn't it? Steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us open to beacon, open to the church, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which Paul, who was writing it, was in prison. All right. So prayer, as Steve told us last week, is a day-to-day walk, an ongoing, steadfast connection with God, a relationship with God to be enjoyed. Um, And the other side of that is prayer really changes things. Prayer changes things. It's a weapon. And we ignore it at our peril as a church. Okay. Uh, My goal today is to underline that powerful tool and some of the reasons, particularly in those two chapters of Colossians, that Paul was praying for the church and telling them to be watchful in prayer as well. So, being watchful in prayer. I have to say, the idea of watchful, I mean, have a quick think. Is it about just about focus, what we're focusing on. I think it is. I think also it's a little bit about discernment about the situations we're facing, how to pray, how to respond. And it's about intentionality as well, watchful in prayer. We're using that prayer muscle. Okay, so there's so many things for you and me as individuals that we need to bring before God. And it's, it's, uh, as part of our relationship, we'll be loving him, worshipping him, praising him. But also we need to bring our needs to him and our concerns and the things that are on our hearts to him. Um, as a church locally here, we want to grow. We want to grow in number. We want to grow in spiritual maturity. We want to have an impact on Herne Bay for the glory of God. And on the bigger stage, if we look at the state of the world over the last three years in particular there has been a real temptation to lose courage, to feel insecure, what's going on, to doubt sometimes, is God in control? Is he napping? What's going on? Um, Or we just avoid thinking about it because it's too worrying and we stick our heads in the sand, watch YouTube videos about cute kittens, whatever, maybe that's just me. 
Okay, we've got, we've got choices. We can get stressed and worried or we can just uh, uh, not think about it. Um, I've had to be wise about the news that I watch. I've had to be wise about not watching too much because that's what you're feeding yourself. You're feeding yourself catastrophe, calamity, disaster, hopelessness, imminent collapse. Nobody needs to feed themselves that. We feed ourselves. We, we step back. I step back and I remind myself of the truth as uh, Barb was praying about God's word. God's word is unchanging. It's established for all time. We feed ourselves on the word of God. We rest in God. Dad, I'm getting frightened. I've got you, my child. God is our peace and our stability. The battle belongs to him. Honestly, I don't know how people do life without God right now. It's terrifying. I've learned to focus on what I I called, I was talking to Mel about it the other day, on what I call the non-negotiables. Again, referring to Barb, about the, the word of God. Whatever the headlines say, whatever the doctor says, Whatever situations tell me, what does the word of God say about it? Some things are non-negotiable. God is in control. God is good. God is good. God is with us. He is with us and he is for us. God has good plans for us. In fact, during the worship, I heard God saying, you wouldn't believe it even if I told you, thinking about this church. You wouldn't believe it even if I told you his plans for us. God is faithful and God answers prayer. Now, many of us have been through or are going through battles. I've been through major health battles. I know many have prayed. We prayed for each other. We prayed for Derek recently. We prayed for Rachel. We just pray for each other. We cover each other in prayer and we see God answer. We see God help. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a battle and the enemy wants us out of the game. He wants us discouraged. He wants us doubting that anything can change. He wants us fearful. Discouragement, in fact, is one of his big weapons. If you've got a situation that, if you have a crisis, we press in and God brings us through it. But if it's something that goes on and on and on, it can be a really powerful weapon of discouragement. And it takes, um, can take us by surprise that we end up where we end up. You know, really at the end of ourselves. For me, one of the key battles when I was poorly um, was battling the lies. God won't help. This is just the way it's going to be. He's forgotten you. You're going to probably be housebound. That's the end of it. Um, It was a battle, but I wouldn't have learned the lessons I learned about prayer unless I'd gone through that battle. Um, God is faithful and the enemy is lying to us about that faithfulness. When I eventually got so fed up of being discouraged and desperate, mentally bashed about, I got through being angry with God and feeling abandoned, I realized God was on my side. He hadn't moved. He'd got me. He's got us. I'd just fallen prey to the discouragement. And it was you know, realistic to be discouraged in certain situations. But God's not a liar. God is good. His word stands forever. Those are the non-negotiables. We can do this individually. We can learn to pray individually. But also there's great strength in praying together. We come together. That's why we have prayer meetings. That's why we come together on a Sunday. We need each other. Come on, let me get you under the arm and we'll carry you through this. And next time it'll be me. You carry me through this. We keep going together. Sorry if this is going to put a really tricky tune in your head. But do you remember when the going gets tough? 
the tough get going. Sometimes it needs to get tough to get us going. When things are comfortable, we're fine, just coasting along. But sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zones to realize the power that prayer has, to realize God's power. So uh, I've taken this passage, this next passage from 2 Chronicles 7. Uh, Solomon in the Old Testament had finished building the temple. And some of you already, you go, oh, I know this one, because it's very famous, probably memorized it. Um, when God spoke to Solomon after he built the temple, he advised Solomon what the people should do in times of difficulty. Now, we've got all levels of difficulty. Our difficulty is that we want the church to grow. We need to be moving into new premises. And we want the lift to work. All scale sizes of challenges, we don't want the lift to work. No, I know, we want it to, but... <laughs> okay. All right. Um, God said to Solomon, when, about talking about when difficulties come, when I shut up the heavens, when God shuts up the heavens so there is no rain, or I command locusts to devour the land, or I send a plague among my people. COVID got us praying, didn't it? Got us praying. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. God says he will hear from heaven. Fact. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God says, my eyes will be open. We're talking about being watchful towards God and in prayer. He's watching over us. He is watching over us. His eyes will be open and his ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Now, for Solomon, that was the temple. That was the physical temple. But guess what? God says we are his temple. We are his people. He lives in us. So his eyes will be open and his ears attentive to the prayers offered among us. Hallelujah. All right. Um, I have to say, I want to, we're talking about prayer, we want people to pray more, but I want us to just pause at this minute and honor the number of people in this church, particularly the older generation, but many, many, many people who have faithfully prayed and served and reached out and prayed and served and reached out and again prayed and for decades while as Beacon Church, at C Street Chapel, in other churches, local churches we've been part of, and God has heard our prayers. God hears our prayers. I keep mentioning those prayers to the Lord, respectfully, and I know that he honors prayer. I am in full faith that he honors prayer. He's heard all of our prayers. He's heard them, the cry of our hearts, the pressing in, the getting up early, the going to, you know, going to Zoom meetings. He's heard our prayers. Right, who wants to see breakthrough here in this church? We are hungry, aren't we? We are hungry for God to break through, for people to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. A touch of God that changes it from words to the power of God changing lives. That's what we want. We don't want a quick bit of excitement. We want strong, sustained growth that impacts Herne Bay, that changes community. Um, so what if we have the key in our hand and it's being watchful in prayer and pressing in to see what God will do? Who's heard about um, 
what's been happening in Asbury in Kentucky recently. Have you seen it online? You may, you may not. Um, so Asbury University is a Christian university in Kentucky, and they've recently had an extended outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It just started as a normal chapel meeting, and at the end, people didn't want to leave. They wanted to keep praising. They wanted to keep praying. They wanted to be in the presence of God. God started to touch hearts, bring conviction, bring freedom, uh, bring direction. And it's kind of been spreading out to other university. Ca- it got massive. Do you know what I mean? It got so big that the chapel was like, we don't know what we're doing. Our eyes are on you, Lord. God was just pouring out his presence. Um, it, it seems to be spreading. And I know um, Steve mentioned last week, Pete, uh, Greg, Greg of this book. I've got it if you want to have a look, if you want to have a look and think about buying it to uh, learn about prayer from the ground up. He's he's very great, very straightforward writer, and I'm looking forward to to reading through it. Um, He went to Kentucky, and he's been around seeing what God's been doing, and he said there's even bits of churches in Manchester now that are feeling God moving. That's just exciting, isn't it? Like Toronto Blessing and, uh, what is it, Brownsville or whatever, where people went, got blessed, brought it back, and it spread. Now, I know in Asbury, it's been happening, but there's a book called Outpourings in Asbury between 1905 and 2006. There's a history of this at Asbury, and it comes from people faithfully praying, faithfully praising Lord, faithfully hungry for him, like us. Come on, Lord, let it be Hearn Bay's turn. Come on. Anyway, uh, now, you've probably been wondering why she brought this here and not talked about it. Any ideas what it is? Snowball. Nice. Nice. Popcorn. Hold it further away in case it blows. <laughs> Dinosaur egg. No, I think, I think you're being very kind and very polite. So, I do love a visual aid. Now, to, to, do, to prepare this talk, I did read Colossians a couple of times, and as I prayed about it, had a real fresh sense of the preciousness of the gospel, and that's come out in so many prayers this morning already the preciousness of the gospel. And I just saw it as a picture of a pearl. The good news. The precious, precious gospel. So I decided to make one. Love a bit of papier-mâché. So, uh, if you don't know the gospel, I don't don't know you all here, um, the gospel is good news because although this world is broken, and boy is it broken, The last three years have shown us just how broken um, our world is. We've all messed up individually as well and rebelled and rejected God in many ways. This pearl is a symbol. It represents the fact that there is hope. We have a rescuer. Our creator came to our rescue by sending his son, Jesus. God has provided a way we can be reconciled to him through Jesus' death on the cross so that we can be redeemed. Our sins can be forgiven. We celebrate that in communion when we take communion. Do you sometimes think you've blown it? Whether you're a Christian, been a Christian decades, you can think, I've completely blown this. If you're not a Christian yet, you can think, oh, there's no hope for me. There can be, and there is, because of the gospel, because of the good news. And I made this big because this is too big to fit in my pocket and forget about can't do that. The gospel is too big to just, you know, tuck it in, carry on, as if nothing's changed. This is transformational. 
This is the hope of the world. It's enormous good news for the world. There we go. So, if you're a visitor here or you have questions about that, people would love to talk to you about it. And we do, there's a course called Christianity Unwrapped that we can, uh, that we run at times and that we're thinking about already at the moment. Um, All right. You might be wondering how this is relevant to us being watchful in prayer. Bear with me. The truth is, when Jesus ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection, his crucifixion, resurrection, uh, he talked to the disciples and he gave them the great commission. He passed the baton on to us to take this good news. I'm just not going to put it down. I'm just going to keep it here. To take this good news and tell people about it. We have at Beacon our little part of the great commission to fulfill. Um, And tell people that they too can be saved. There is good news for them. There is hope. And as I've already mentioned earlier on, it can be a battle. We need to learn to stand on the promises of God. So, I've no idea where I'm going. You might need to send out for fish and chips. But, here we are. Page five of seven. We're doing okay. Honest. So, Back to, back to Colossians and the reason why Paul encourages them to be steadfast, watchful, and thankful with the mission they are on. Actually, I totally recommend that this week or very soon you take time and read through Colossians. Read it through. It's very short. I listened to um, David Suchet reading it on YouTube, his little clip. And uh, although he put me off with the first word and he said, Colossians. What? Press on. Anyway, in 14 minutes... You've heard the whole book. So if you don't like reading, you can listen to it. You can do both, listen and read at the same time. It is dynamite. Okay, Paul in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 6, writes, All over the world, this gospel, this enormous pearl, is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you in Colossae since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. And it's still true today, isn't it? All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit. Probably more in other countries than here, but I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to see it. Now, it wasn't actually Paul that took the gospel to Colossians, to the Colossians. It was Epaphras. So when he's writing, he says, For this reason, dear Colossians, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. What else does he pray for them and teach them? Chapter 2, verse 2. My purpose is that they, the Laodiceans and the Colossians, may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have full riches of complete understanding. So in order for the gospel to bear fruit and grow, he's praying for them, the church, and we need to be prayerful for us, um, as we're praying for a new venue for growth and breakthrough. He's praying for them to be full of the knowledge of God's will. We need wisdom. We really do. Through spiritual wisdom and knowledge, we need to be encouraged in heart because it's hard work and it's discouraging. And we need to be united in love. We're human. We're prone to falling out and getting annoyed with each other. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Don't nod, Mr. Benson. Um, And we need to be united. We need to stick together to succeed. All right? 
Peter, the Apostle Peter, in one of his letters, right, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Earnestly. That's not a quick sort of how you're doing text. That's earnestly. When people annoy us, he says, since love covers a multitude of sins. We stick together and we're gracious to each other and we love each other well. We'll be united. We can be more effective. Um, So if I've annoyed you today, keep loving me earnestly. That's all I'm saying. Has anyone watched um, The Chosen on, um, I think it's on Amazon now, but it's a series on the life of Jesus. If you haven't, it's phenomenal. Um, They've based it as closely as they can to to the scriptures. Um, And what you see is 12 really different disciples coming together to follow Jesus. You've got your zealots. You've got your sort of ninja, Simon the Zealot. You've got Matthew Fisherman kicking off this way, kicking off that way, but passionate and loving Jesus. You've got Matthew the tax collector, very nerdy, very with the figures, a bit annoying and pedantic. And you're like, well, that's, that's it, isn't it? That's church. We're all very different, but we're united around Jesus. So that's why we need to love each other earnestly. You need to make a considered effort to do that. Um, <clears throat> But that, yes, it's Jesus that holds them together. So that leads me on to the next bit. We need to be prayerful, watching, uh, prayerfully watch, watchful over unity. But there's another reason that um, Paul is praying for the church and advice that he gives them about being watchful. So chapter 1 in Colossians, verse 18, he talks about Jesus being the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head. We are the body. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, the name above all names. Imagine if we tried to do this without staying connected to him, without staying focused and watchful on him. We're literally going to be running around in circles like headless Christians. That was, I chuckled. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Headless Christians, we need to be connected to the head, don't we? We we need to be watchful that we stay connected to the author and perfecter of our faith. All right. Chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord and continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, um, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We need to continue in him. Why? Because if we don't, there are serious dangers of going off track. We need to be watchful. He says in verse 8, after that one, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, or elemental spiritual forces. There's a spiritual battle trying to get us off track. Elemental spiritual forces. We need to be wise. Forces of this world rather than on Christ. Later, Paul talks about things like, uh, verse 16, um, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, different things. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility, the worship of angels, disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail, puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. We are all vulnerable to getting caught up in little things that distract us, especially if you're on YouTube and there's an algorithm that keeps feeding you the same stuff. We need to be wise. So we need to stay connected to Jesus, our eyes on the word of God, 
praying for each other, loving each other well, and being uh, united. So, there, why don't we pray? There's lots of, lots of good reasons. There's one very squeaky reason over there. Gorgeous. But there are seasons when we're really busy and really distracted or not very well or uh, dealing with something that has discouraged us or knocked us down. There's lots of reasons. God understands that life is busy. But also, we can be very comfortable and more or less think, well, I've kind of got this at the moment. I'm okay. I'm all right. We could be a bit complacent. No one needs to feel condemned. Steve was very clear about that last week. The Bible says itself, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. If you looked at God right now, you would see nothing but love in his eyes for you. Nothing but kindness. Nothing but encouragement. Nothing but support. He's right there for us. He is cheering us on. He has made provision for us. There is much joy in walking with God. But we do have battles to face. We need to be watchful. What is this battle? What do I do about this situation? What does the word of God say? And Walk closely with him. And as we do that, we find ourselves growing. We wouldn't choose the battles, but we face them, we go through them with him, and we come out stronger. All right. Um, <clears throat> Steve uh, mentioned... I don't know where I'm at with time. Anyone hungry? All right. Steve mentioned this book last week, and so... Pete, Pete, Greg, it is brilliant. I was going to just read you the, the opening bit. If you don't feel confident about praying, how to pray, how to grow in prayer, very straightforward. Here's the, his brilliant introduction. Every pilgrim gets a stone in their shoe eventually. You wake up one morning thinking, is this really all there is to knowing the creator of 100 billion galaxies? You read the book of Acts and you ask, why oh, isn't it like that anymore? Have you ever thought that? Ah, we want to see that. Or your world falls apart and you desperately need a miracle. You stare up at the stars and feel things bigger than religious language. You say to yourself, if this thing is true, if this thing is true, there's got to be more power, more mystery, more actual personal experience. And so finally, you turn to God, half wondering whether you're any more than half serious, and say, oh, Lord, teach me to pray. And he replies, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and he starts to take you on a journey. So I recommend that. Come and have a leaf, leaflet through, see if you think it's your sort of book. I've talked so long, the battery's dead. It's desperate. Desperate times. All right, so I want you to take a minute, maybe now just for a minute, but also you go home and you work on this to work out what your prayer goals are. Some real concrete prayer goals. Um, Steve's posted in the midweek update a list of things we're focusing on this month, but we're going to carry on focusing on them. We're going to press in. Um, but you might have some personal prayer goals. If you've got small children, you might be praying, God, keep your hand on them. Give them good friends at school. Keep them steady. Let them know you for themselves. Their future wife or husband is probably alive on this planet right now. God bless them. Lead them to you. Lord, let them have a godly spouse. Lord, let them have someone that will encourage them in their faith. Let them be an encouragement to the other person. 
We don't take, um, you know, marriages can be amazing and marriages can be awful. We don't take them lightly. We pray for them. The well-being of our children, we don't take it lightly. We pray for it. Um, people in our church, we don't take our fellowship lightly. We pray for it. Um, so make your own mental list. Um, I, for example, Abby here, going off on adventures next year. I'm praying already that the people she ends up living with will be a blessing to her. We know she'll be a blessing to them. But she will learn lots of things on the journey as well. We pray. We pray intentionally. We don't leave things to chance. We bring them to God. We thank him that he hears us. And we say, will you help us to pray wisely about this and to really grow as we go forward? Okay, so be thinking for yourself what your prayer goals are. And honestly, I know a lot of you are total prayer warriors already. So we're just going to keep going, keep pressing in. Others might feel you're kind of more at the beginning stage. We'll start. We go on together doesn't matter if it's clever or not clever, talk to God about it. All right, so I, I've got a little list of things here we can pray for, and I often pray, I want to pray for, we're, we're praying about a different venue that will meet the needs that we have, and the needs that God knows that we don't know yet that we're going to have as we grow, in Jesus' name. So we're praying for Steve and David and Bob as they explore and investigate, that they will find favor with the people they talk to, that God will open the right doors for us to have a venue, maybe without a lift or with a lift that works, decent heating. We are so thankful for this place, but we are confident that God is leading us forward into a new season. So let's pray in for that. We want to see salvations. We want to see healings in our midst. We want God's presence to draw people here. We want people to go, I don't know how I ended up here. I love it. When we first came to uh, Beacon Church, you were meeting at Briary School, and we just thought, God is in this place. We knew it. We could go to places with much more impressive, you know, smoke machines and 10 people in the worship band, but God was in your midst, and we wanted to be part of it, and we wanted to stay. That's, it's God. God that does it. So we want to pray for our children here, our teens, Mel and Vanessa. We want to pray for all the issues that come up. We want to see Jesus glorified because we put him front and center and he leads us forwards as we go. I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you for today. We thank you that your heart is for us, that you are with us, that you want us to grow in this because it's a powerful thing that you designed, that we communicate with you, we listen to you, and we walk in step with you. What a mighty thing prayer is. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in our midst. We want your name to be honored. It's your name that's above all names, above anything else that we face. Anything else, your name is above everything. Amen.